It's a quintessential Portland movie from a quintessential Portland director about a quintessential Portland icon filmed in the quintessential city of Pomona, California. Well, we watched Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. I do have a lot of piglets at the moment. Hello and welcome to another Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workhoven and I am joined, as always, by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm well, Todd. Good. And, of course, Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? I'm doing well, Todd. You Thank you. You are lost in, your, in the world of uh, YouTube comments about John Callahan videos right now. It's an easy rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> I just feel like I, I'm left out because everyone seems to have a John Callahan story in this town. I know. I I don't. And I, what, if, Mark, do you have a John Callahan story? I do. Oh, really? So, uh, so this, uh, I picked this movie because uh, Nick and I were watching this movie on uh, Amazon Prime. It is an Amazon Studios film. And about 20 minutes into the movie, we realized that we had a John Callahan encounter together uh, about 13 years ago. And so very early in our relationship, we were walking down 21st Avenue in, uh, in North Portland in Northwest Portland. And um, it was a a midsummer day and it was uh, pretty crowded on the sidewalk. And um, all of a sudden through the crowd, bounded this electric wheelchair with this orange-haired man. Get out of the way! Get out of my way! And he ran over my toe and kept kept going. He had no apology. No, He was angry, headed, you know, and had no... Uh, it was all about him. And he was going through the, the sidewalk... And Nick and I have recalled that moment multiple times over the years of like, remember that old crazy guy on the side? Like, and, and we never had imagined that that was actually somebody famous. Right. And huh. that was 100% it was John Callahan. Wow. And, and you realize that watching this movie. Watching this movie, we're like, weird. That's the guy. And so we looked up pictures of him. We're like, oh, that. That's a hundred percent the guy. Right. Uh, we were together. We we talked about him. We we've talked about him over the years, and uh, and so this was on Northwest Twenty Third. Well, that is exactly the place, yeah. the part of town where uh, apparently he lived. Yeah, exactly. And and so we looked it up. We checked the timeline. He passed away in in twenty ten. This was probably uh, two uh, two thousand seven. Okay. And uh, in Northwest Twenty Third on a summer day. And uh, interesting. And so we we then looked up some more information about him. And the the movie is is decent, uh, you know. And we don't have uh, like a ton to dig into and and sift and and chew on and everything. My six pages of notes says <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and. But I really enjoyed the movie, and 
had this weird personal connection and then learning about him you know I knew nothing about him yeah. um, at, at all and he uh, apparently was a significant Portland institution uh, for many many years and uh, now there's a John Callahan Park up by Lovejoy mm. um, and that displays a lot of his is a garden and it displays a bunch of his oh, cool. cartoonists but he was a uh, a, a humorist and cartoonist in the Willamette Week for 15 years? 27 yeah. years, I 27 think I read. 27 yeah. years. So was he, and so I was a little nervous coming to this film, not only because um, of John Callahan's name, which I know of, but like you said, I didn't really know much right. about it. I know he did the cartoons that sometimes I didn't feel like I was smart enough to understand. <laughs> yep. And then Gus Van Zant, who I also, I mean, I came to Portland in 1999, so that was kind of after that, and I've never seen... Uh, drugstore cowboy or uh, my own private item. I've not yet seen those, but I know of his reputation. I know he's good, he but like he's elephant or he did elephant. Yeah, yeah, he did milk, and so I've, I yeah, have yeah. looking Goodwill back hunting. over his filmography. I have seen some of his thing without kind of realizing right uh, who he was, and so he's another person that like I know has a, like a lot of influence in in the movie industry and is well loved and well regarded and that I'm kind of nervous to watch because like I'm going to feel like I'm not cool enough to understand well, it's like I wasn't there yeah because exactly. now like we've been thus far in this show sort of in our comfortable own little niche talking about n- movies that nobody else is talking about right but when we start to talk about Gus Van Sant it's like what are we going to add to the conversation exactly <laughs> exactly right. but I mean it, it is uh like all of this is so very like such a swirl of, of Portland that it is, it is an interesting subject for them. Now was John Callahan, was he, um, um, was he in other newspapers as well? Or is he just in the Willamette week? He wasn't syndicated. As far as I know, it's just the Willamette week. Well, in terms of, uh, outside of Portland, I, I do know that he was in, I think uh, playboy and, okay. Um, the New York Times, maybe. Okay. So he or got the New Yorker, one of the. T- but I don't. I don't think he was a regular contributor. No. Right. No. Right. 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 So okay. he. So he, I found that interesting too. That yeah. like I had sort of just figured that he was syndicated in a lot of a lot of the the alternate uh, alternative uh, city papers around around the country, but I guess not. Um, so this movie in the credits has a special thanks to Robin Williams. Yes. So, um, did you read about that? A little bit, yeah. Do you know the the background a little better than uh, I? I just that they remember were, reading a little bit, but, but they were kind of in the works of something. Yeah, and I think uh, originally they uh, Robin Williams had been planning um, on playing John Callahan, but then aged out of the role and blah blah blah. But still, kind of his clout was able to get at least uh, this some interest in this film. So there is a special thanks to Robin Williams. So what's funny about that is watching this movie, I kept having uh, the feeling that I was watching another movie. It reminded me so much of Patch Adams. Yeah. Just like the emotions that it was making me feel. And I've either never seen Patch Adams or I have burned it from my memory (laughs) seeing Patch Adams. But I did wonder like, what would this movie have looked like with Robin Williams? I could totally see Robin Williams playing that role. Yeah. Do you think it would have been better? How do you think Joaquin Phoenix did? Now that we've kind of seen a little bit more like of uh, John Callan on YouTube, there's there's quite a few videos of him. And that's, I think, walking away, I'm most excited about there are several documentaries, it looks like, about him. One of them called 
touch me, touch me where I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Touch me where I can feel it. Which is the name of that song that in we a place that I can to. feel what there's some. Okay. Um, and then there's another one that's just kind of on YouTube, like a half hour documentary. So, so I haven't watched those yet, but I'm excited to kind of learn more about him. And now that we've seen some clips, how do you think Joaquin Phoenix did? I, I think the acting of this movie was great, both, uh, by Joaquin Phoenix and you're, uh, I was initially struck by it. He almost looked fake, like he was, like his hair was fake, and he was fake. And then you, you pull up pictures of John Callahan, and, and, like, and that's exactly what he looked like. He, yeah. uh, you know, he electric orange hair, and uh, it just, and it just looks like a mop fell on his head. Yeah, uh, that was orange. The Andy and, Warhol <laughs> style you know, of haircut, and terrible skin, and all the other things. And uh, I just, I was able to really get a sense uh, that I was watching a real human going through real, you know, the, when, um, you know, the arc of the the movie uh, initially, uh, he becomes paralyzed because of a drunk driving accident that he was a passenger in and uh, goes through that, the, they do a really good job of showing the dehumanization in the hospital and, and, and like the disconnection with his life at that, at that moment of like the despair and the, the, uh, I talked to God and I talked to the devil and I do, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really poignant. And then he, um, you see him discover the electric wheelchair in that moment of, Oh, I'm, I'm not, confined to a bed for the rest of my life and you could see that spark of oh i might have the ability to do something and mm-hmm. go out and then you learn about the struggles where uh, he used his electric wheelchair way too much and it broke down a bunch and the administration that was helping to pay for it wouldn't pay for repairs and, and you know the struggles that he he went through i thought joaquin phoenix did a, a pretty good job of portraying this human that was very messed up that was uh brutally honest and and trying to pick up the pieces of a very broken life right yeah and um Jonah Hill, uh, I think, was great. I was so distracted by what I thought was a giant, weird, fake beard on Jonah Hill until I realized it was just a real, weird-looking beard. And, like, I was sort of entranced by it the rest of the movie. Uh, So, Brian, what's your take on... on I thought the acting just all around was top-notch, uh, which is a change of pace for, for us. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> threw me off a little bit, actually. <laughs> Oscar-nominated Oscar uh, people in this. I don't know about for this movie, right. but in in, uh, in other films. I, uh, I was listening to a uh, Terry Gross interview with uh, Gus Van Sant about this. Okay. And uh, he was talking about the approach they took for uh, Joaquin Phoenix as uh, John Callahan in this film. And he said that they did not want it to be an impersonation of John Callahan. It was more to get the like vibe and, and, you know, just his emotions, make sure that those were accurate. Right. And I think that was probably a smart choice. Yeah. Like this isn't Joaquin Phoenix in uh walk the line. You right. Know? It's right. Not the Johnny cash impersonation. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I did think he did well. I wasn't quite as lost in his performance as I think I was hoping to be, I kind of kept being reminded that it was Joaquin Phoenix and maybe that's just my own personal thing. But the, the cast of characters outside of the main one, 
uh, are interesting. We've got um, Joaquin Phoenix and Jonah Hill are kind of the two main, and we have a support group of, of other addicts and alcoholics that include um, some really interesting <laughs> choices for um, supporting actors. We have Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth, I believe is uh, the band that she's from. We have Beth Dido, yeah. another musician. We have Udo Kier, or what's his last name? Udo Kier, I think, who's a super famous German actor that like has been in everything. Um, and then other guy, I forget who the other guy was, but um, I thought that was just kind of a fascinating choices. And then Carrie Brownstein shows yeah. up uh, in a role. Um, and I was, as I, I thought Beth Dido, who was the the bigger girl in, mm-hmm. in the therapy group, I thought she was fantastic uh, as this, as this side role. But this movie, I wanted to watch the movie that Mark was describing. And that <laughs> is what this movie is. And it's a subject matter that like I wanted to learn about. And, and even though it is very, I wouldn't say very little, not a lot is focused on his cartooning life. Not this enough. Is, yeah, this, yeah. And I would say that too. But uh, instead it's, it's uh, a story about recovery and yep. all that, which I don't mind as the subject. I wish I would have learned more about the cartooning. But I felt like the way that this movie was put together was baffling. And Gus Van Zandt did edit this movie, so it's like I couldn't blame Are you talking else. about how the time the jumps? timelines were insane. <laughs> and I never... And, and because I was looking for a Portland-based movie, I was looking for When markers. does he get to Portland? Right, because... I, oh, never. Are we talking about Long Beach right now? Or are we talking about Portland right now? Are we talking because he has his accident and and part of his life down in Long Beach? And we are never given years. We are never given ages. We are never yep. given that. So th- that whole aspect didn't actually bother me because really? you know it's just one of those things where <laughs> the director chooses to do that because. It's not necessarily, they don't think it's important that you know the details exactly when things take place. It's more about how all of the scenes of life together make you feel, I think is what he was going for. That's true. I think the problem that I have is that it was so disconnecting. Every time I felt like the story was getting its feet under it, it would cut to... So I I wrote down, the story is being told kind of in retrospect, and then we do get some flashbacks. It starts with him talking at some big ceremony at <laughs> that we never learn where we don't know who these people are. He's like, I, I couldn't have gotten here without you. And I'm like, where are you? <laughs> I, I was frustrated by that. <laughs> and that everyone he knows in the whole movie is like sitting next to each other in a nice row in the middle of the audience. But it, and that looked like a concert hall. That wasn't like, because then we have that. My first thought, I was like, Oh, this is going to be the Hollywood theater. Really cool. Oh, yeah. And I was like, is the, that the schnitz? No, nope. no, nope. it was no, so I wasn't the Keller. It was like he was getting some sort of lifetime achievement award. That's what it felt like. And then so we get him telling that story there. We flash back to him telling the story in rehab. And, we and to the kids on the street yes, corner. and then there's the kids on the street corner, which I've got a lot to say about later. <laughs> we flash back to the car crash. We flash back to him with his roommate slash aide. We go to another AA movie in a gym where he's up on the stage in the mm-hmm. gym talking to people. Um, and what else? I, 
and it just kept bouncing back and forth to these places that are never established. There's no timeline to. I was I was so angry. I don't think that matters. <laughs> yeah. You're uh, dumb. I'm not smart enough to get it. <laughs> Damn it. I, I it just felt like every time I was like, okay, this is the threat. Like, we're, oh, we're having the flashback. Okay, let's stay in the flashback and tell that story. But I felt like we were tuning into like the sixth season of Lost, and they're jumping like sideways and forward and backwards, and it's like I don't know where to ground myself here. You know, I, I think that when these days the biopic is like almost overdone. And, you know, everyone that comes out, people just try and pick it apart. Like, you look at all the criticism against Bohemian Rhapsody, which I did not see. But Not, not either. If you've seen Walk uh, Walk Hard. Exactly. Uh, then you've seen Bohemian Rhapsody. That's what I've heard as well. And, and that movie, you know, kind of makes fun of all of those conventional tropes. And so I think that that may be directors approaching the biopic today. They're trying to look for ways where they can step outside of that formula. And, you know, one way to do that is not to tell just a... You know, perfectly it's linear story to confuse the audience <laughs> to, make, to make Todd angry. <laughs> so one of these flashbacks, as Mark you mentioned, is um, so he's telling his different story. We're kind of going back his rehabilitation physically, and then to uh, his AA meetings, and then to the mysterious gala that he's right. on stage for. And then we see him like rushing down the sidewalk, speeding down the sidewalk in his wheelchair. And he goes careening off a curb, spills out into the roadway. You know, his cartoons are everywhere and he's on the floor. And this group of, I don't know, seven children from a different movie show. From a different movie. Stranger (laughs) Things shows up. Stranger Uh, Things. They're absolutely uh, Stranger (laughs) Things shows up. And they're all like the kindest children. They help him with his colostomy bag, bag. it looks like. And they're like picking That stinks, but I'm okay with that. That would never happen. It was, and then we leave them for the most. They do come at, back at the very, very end where our heroic end scene of the movie is him doing, uh, John Callahan going up one of their skateboard ramps and like falling off and like the kids come back and I'm like, am I supposed to be emotionally connected to these children? I don't know who they are, where they're from, where they live. So those kids bring up uh, a point. One of my biggest frustrations with this movie was for a story telling the life of someone so sort of gritty, hard edge, um, and controversial, someone known for pushing the envelope, this movie felt very safe and by the numbers in terms of like the emotions that it was conveying. Yeah. Like, I feel like it should have focused on that. There were a lot of people that hated this man, and I feel like that this movie just played it really safe in terms of, you know, telling the recovery story. And then it, it had like a very happy ending. Yeah, it absolutely did. And I think. Because like if if outside of his cartoons, um, it's a fascinating story. His cartooning is fascinating, too, because of the controversy, because of all of that. And like I felt it didn't like I kept wanting to learn more about that aspect and it just kept not. And I think the perfect template for this movie is American Splendor. Mm-hmm. Which is the Harvey Picar uh, biopic biopic, right? Um, and that's done in a unique style. It incorporates cartooning. Paul Giamatti is great in it, and I think that I, I I was wishing that it came closer to that instead. Because so not only do we have all this jumping around, like maybe I could forgive, which I won't forgive. Uh, <laughs> but there's also all of these scenes that are completely 
disconnected from everything else. So we're getting into his recovery and we're kind of seeing some of the flashbacks before his accident. So he's a drunk. He's going to buy liquor in the morning. Mm -hmm. He and we get this. We get what we think will be the classic scene of him showing up to. I thought that was Mark drinking in the corner. I thought that was Mark impersonating John Callahan trying to drink from a bottle. <laughs> but no, he was just spraying some throat. Mark has a, a, a sore throat, so we're we're bearing with him. His deep baritone. Today. <laughs> but we get the classic scene of what we think John is going to show up late for work drunk and make a mess of things and be fired or whatever. So John, he pulls up in his truck and stumbles out. It's like, oh man, you know, trying to clean himself up. And his boss is standing there and it looks like he worked for like a, a yard maintenance company or something like that. Cause landscaping, sh- landscaping, painting. a painting. That's what it was. They're like, I, we are painting a new house today. And he gets up and his boss is there with another man in a wheelchair. And John kind of rustles up and we're expecting it to be. And the boss says, oh, I wanted you. I wanted to bring so-and-so guy in wheelchair to show you something. And guy in wheelchair. Now I'm thinking, oh, they're setting up. He's going to be cruel to with a handicap, blah, blah, blah. The man hands John one of those novelty pens where you like it's the bikini lady or whatever. And you turn it over and the little piece of plastic slides and bikini lady is naked now. And he shows him one of those pens. And that's it. The The last we see of it, nothing happens. I thought maybe the pen would come back. Like that's what he used to like be inspired to draw. Nope. We get nothing. That was strange. There's another scene where John is uh, trying to drink one of those jugs of table wine or whatever at the park. He's approached by two homeless men who's like, oh, can we have a drink? And so he says, oh, I've got another jug in the back. You can have that. And... In the background, we see another park bench with these two men sit on. We zoom in like through the action of what we're seeing to two men sitting on the park bench who are look like they're having an, kind of an illicit meetup. They're kind yeah. of touching each other, two businessmen or whatever, touching each other's shoulders. And that's it. Yeah. We get we're, a close up to see like, ooh, what are they? Oh, what? Okay. We're. I mean, the only thing I can think there is maybe they were just trying to show what kind of a park it was. Yeah. But. But. Yeah. Or it's just Gus Van Zandt showing that there's gays. I get, it uh, was know, so. They, it was wherever the, you look. It was gays. the. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere. They're at the park. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so the the struggle with me with the timeline was literally about in the park when he was drinking. Was that post him getting sober, and was he cheating on being sober ever, or was that before? Uh, yeah, that was. Confusing. I didn't. I didn't know how soon after. The accident? Did he get clean? And right. w- like, what w- what was he trying? To, what was Gus Van Zandt trying to show in the park at all? Like, right. is he cheating on his alcoholism? Is he just that was very hard uh, to follow? Right. I, so I didn't know like what I was supposed to get out of out of that whole yeah. And there were several of those park scenes. There's it, several. It was, of, it was just one. And there there was the scene in therapy where like. The one guy with a mustache, uh, he's talking. Jack Black? No, no. <laughs> no it's one Burt of the. Reynolds. It's one of the group therapy. No, he's the blonde guy. He's got a blonde mustache, and um, he's talking. And uh, Kim Gordon, who is playing a woman named Corky, they open this movie opens with Jonah Hill looking like seventies Jesus, very seventies Jesus, as saying and um, talking like Jesus, and talking Jesus. like seventies Jesus. And he says the very first line of the movie, we open on him and he says, "Corky, why don't you tell us your story?" 
and we see Corky, who is Kim Gordon, looking like you, you know, thought we were going to be watching Life Goes On. And that was the thing. I know two Corkies: Life Goes On and Waiting for Guffman. Like you don't want to start your movie, yes, with Corky. Why don't you tell us your problem? Corky tells us her problem. Corky's not the star of this movie. She is the cold opening. She tells her story about she drinks and she ended up doing something, and then our movie about someone else starts. So that was a crazy. Anyway, but the guy with the blonde mustache, he's talking and Kim Gordon goes, well, why don't you tell us about the lack of women in your organization out of nowhere? He wasn't talking about that. And then he blows up and has a thing about like women are garbage or whatever. And then we hear no more of that. There there were a lot of little dead ends. And in between. They brought brought you down just so that, you know, you really got to own the main road that you're going down. right what did you what did you guys think of the stylistic choice we got twice of the montage of how would i describe it one of them it's it's frames moving sideways how so I, like I, I vaguely how, i'm not remembering what you're talking about so uh one of them is in his physical rehabilitation after rooney mara Ro- is that how you say her name? The girl with the dragon his tattoo, girlfriend. yeah, uh, who shows up, and I didn't know if she was real or not because that he was in. But his rehabilitation montage, yes, and it's doing that oh. thing where like it's doing screen wipes huh. of different scenes. One we get horizontal, so like, how would you describe that? It, uh, it's it's like, like rolling film. film going down, and each panel of film is a scene that plays out. Yeah, and it's 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 going, and one of them goes from left to right, and it was. It's just a way to do another montage. And the other one they do it is is in his montage of when he finally wants to get sober. Right, it's just flashback to all the times that he was. Yeah, scenes we have just seen from yeah. the movie. Every one of them was previously in the movie. Anyway, I thought that was a bizarre. It felt unnecessary. It was really weird. I think the biggest travesty overall. I, I this okay. We, this is an iconic Portland cult hero, um, somebody from Portland's past, uh, and somebody who really could have only I feel risen to the level that he did i I feel like part of his success was due to portland he's like intrinsically tied to portland and yet a very eight yeah a very 80s portland yes and yet the movie didn't seem to put any emphasis on the fact that he's such an iconic portlander like this is something that we you know should be celebrating and rallying behind as a city well i don't like mark said i don't even know when he got to portland in the movie because half of it's in like van nuys or whatever but then they're like you're from portland and then like he was at willamette week or a glass door saying that it was the willamette week (laughs) right and so yeah what parts were the kids in portland is that exactly like and the, so what I mean they the, didn't even bother to buy stock footage for an establishing shot of Portland they need to talk to shots. the producers of how Sarah got her wings because they know how to fake a Portland <laughs> they probably have some <laughs> leftover <laughs> stock footage <laughs> an extra 40 minutes of movie uh, there was um, we get to this scene where we're, we're looking at it on our computer now there's a, a um, the scene where he put it you've got to put that on pause (laughs) so there's one scene he's stuck in his house and he's he's struggling with a bottle of wine the bottle of wine falls under the table uh and so he can't reach it 
he's going around he sees another bottle of vodka like on way on top of the fridge and he's freaking out he's really trying to get it I had issues as a former drinker myself. He was not trying hard enough for either of those because there's a broom right there in the corner. You could have easily fished the thing out from underneath. Anyway, that's a separate thing. (laughs) So it's this dramatic, tense moment. You know, it's the moment of clarity that he's going to have to to get us into act three of this movie. That's when we get the second one of those floating montages, which completely ripped me out of the thing again. But then he's sitting in his living room uh, and he's looking at a picture that he drew of his mother. He's been trying to find it. He was adopted. Uh, He was trying. He's been trying to find his mother. His mother appears to him as if she is from a Sears portrait studio photo from the 70s. Ghost mom. Ghost mom. That's what I wrote. (laughs) ghost hand and ghost mom oh first we get an impression of a hand on the back of joaquin phoenix's sweatshirt or shirt and he turns around and it's a floating mom i was furious that this was the moment that was like gonna be the turning point and it was handled so silly I can only imagine that this must be pretty true to his story. And I I didn't mind like the concept of his mom being the impetus, but the way they do it of this hand shape appearing on him and he turns around and his floating mom just standing there, not even standing. We get a, it's like from her chest up and she speaks to him from, from beyond beyond. It was, I, he had issues with that. He clearly had mommy issues. He did. And that was all fine, but it was So as a as a whole, what do you think of the Jonah Hill character? Because in uh they needed a bagger Vance to to give him you know to point the way. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jonah Hill was. He was uh, you know his his person that was the Obi-Wan or you know whatever that was pointing the way to here's here's where you need to go and he was big in the uh, Latsu and uh, you know mystical and he did look like 70s Jesus <laughs> he and, almost felt like he was from another movie he's right, character right right, right. and it did feel out of place uh, you know, he he's a sponsor in AA, a sponsor of a bunch of things. He's he, the sponsor. He's the ma- the sponsor of kind of the small group that we keep. Right. He's the he's the, the little, pack leader the or whatever, the piglets. And so, another another thing I I struggled in this movie is that we meet Jonah Hill right you know right out of the gate, and he is you know the leader of the the AA group, and he lives in this mansion, and he's wearing bathrobes, and he's like. But we never until way towards the end, we don't know anything about him and his life is so weird looking that like that should have been kind of called out, I think, a little bit earlier. Right. And so he's basically trust fund Liberace. Yeah. And it turns out he's a trust fund kid. But would you be shocked to know? I have a little reveal here. Hold on. I found one of the there's a couple featurettes uh, from this movie that actually is on is on YouTube. Um, And I found Gus Van Zandt and Jonah Hill talking about uh, this character. So I want to play a little bit of it here. 
I mean, John, we had photographs, we had a whole book by John, you know, we had like, I'd met John personally a hundred times. Donnie, nobody had ever met him. So Donnie is the name of Jonah Hill's character. There wasn't a book about him. He was like a completely original character. It's a... Mm. So they created this bizarro character for this movie. Hmm. It almost feel well... I mean, I'm sure John talked about him and it was based in something, but... That was probably Gus Van Sant creating a Gus Van Sant character is my guess. Okay. I just maybe don't know enough about Gus Van Sant to know that that was a Gus Van But I thought that was a strange choice to make him such a distracting yeah. like scenario. Because then all of a sudden towards the end of the movie, he like, oh, surprise, I'm going to New York. Spoilers, I have AIDS. Like, what? And then he dies at the end of the movie. Spoilers for this movie, I guess. And there's a part, let me find it here. So he, um, Jonah Hill comes back sick. We don't, we don't see him, uh, die, but he comes back sick. Um, and we hear John telling the story again. This is when we get reintroduced to the group of children that helped him up off the street, the stranger kids, kids or stranger things, kids. And he tells them, uh, that uh, his friend died. I'm going to see if I can find this here. Fans. Are they intimidating or something? No, no this no, is a different not. spot. Hold I'm on. just saying. This is one of two sections where they laboriously explain the joke of his cartoon. Mm. Do you guys notice that in the bar scene at the yeah. end? Here, I'm going to play it a second. It's funny because it makes you laugh. It's not that funny. The joke is funny because this sign suggesting that lesbians will kick your ass if you cross, it's, it's, it's unexpected. It's, it's like a warning sign for attack dogs, but instead it's lesbians. I mean, for the, the, the readers of Penthouse, these men, this, this plays on this shared fear of women, just this unexpected mutual fear. I mean, it's... I mean, are they you... They really drive that home. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah, that was weird. Um, that wasn't what I was gonna... <laughs> All right. Did you catch the uh, other Portland movie reference that was in there? The, the Raquel Welsh shout out? No, oh, there was a Raquel Welsh. Was there? Uh, because uh, Jonah Hill was imparting wisdom about selecting who your higher power is. Yes. And um, uh, was it a specific Kansas City bomber reference no. or just a just okay. Raquel Welsh? Okay, that's right. I do remember that. But, uh, but your sobriety isn't a joke. So. I did like. Uh, and I think that's the other thing that I was ultimately kind of disappointed to. Like I said, I would be on on board for a recovery movie. I have personal experience with that. I'm invested. Like, But it just kept being such a distraction. But one of the things, I mean, AA has the best little slogans for everything. Totally. And when there's a scene where John Callahan is trying to like, but I'm stuck in this wheelchair or whatever. And he finds out that the Beth Dido's character has a heart problem or something or other. And Beth Dido goes... Pour me, you're gonna do pour me, pour me until you pour me another drink. And I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I love that. Um, but here's some telling about um, Jonah Hill's character uh, dying to the, to the little kids here. Really cool scars. Yeah, he looks like a wizard. Yeah, Jonah got really sick over time. And he discovered he had AIDS. Mm. That was the last time I saw him before he died. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, the truth hurts. Yeah. 
The truth hurts. So the in truth an hurts. obvious moment of where they're all trying to fill, nobody said cut, and they're all trying to think of things to say. My friend died of AIDS. <laughs> The truth hurts. Well, and that's fine. I'm not blaming the kid actor, but guess who I blame? The person who said, you know what? Let's do another take. (laughs) Don't say the truth hurts. You say, like, I'm sorry, or that's sad. (laughs) Like, you've got to cut print. I know. We got it. (laughs) We get that. That's Uh, a good one right there. That's like when your waitress or. Your waitress is like, enjoy your meal. And you're like, you too. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, dad, I thought that was, that was really funny. Any, any comments about the girlfriend from uh, Sweden? <sighs> I have all the questions oh. about her. She appears on the thing I found most fascinating, which was his, he, this is right after he's in his accident. So he is in complete traction, I guess. And he has a bed that flips 180 degrees I'm assuming so that you don't get bed sores or that, but that was fascinating. I thought just as a piece of medical equipment, but her introduction is, so he's facing at the, at the linoleum floor. (laughs) We're watching this sex scene. Thanks Mark. And she appears on the floor talking to him kind of like an angel. And that's why I wondered like, is this a real, is she a real person? Is she a manifestation? Cause I don't know what her character is other than she came out of nowhere to help him rehabilitate and also sleep with him right? every now and then. Because she's also a flight attendant and not a physical therapist. Uh, no, I, I think she was a kind of a counselor person, you know, uh, maybe even a volunteer. <laughs> her, character, her character arc we, felt a little flat. We never learned anything about Am her. Am I crazy that she was also a flight attendant? No, she was. She, no, halfway yeah. through the movie. Uh, so... She was involved during his aftercare in the hospital. Right. And then she goes away. Right. And he doesn't see her forever. <laughs> She's hanging out with the stranger kids. Totally. Stranger things She's kids. She's with stranger <laughs> things. And uh, in the upside down. And when <laughs> uh, he was at a bookstore and he bumped into her. bumps into her and she's a flight attendant on layover and is like, well, you want to lay over at my place? <laughs> If you catch and my they drift, and then they had the guy from the bar come explain, <laughs> tediously explain the whole joke again. <laughs> See, but lesbians. Uh... In this type of movie, it felt like that she would have been the character that he would have had to do something to try and win over. Like it felt really easy that all of a sudden she showed oh back gosh. up, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden Hot they Swedish were model. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like... the other thing that threw me at the beginning is yeah, she's a very beautiful woman showing up on a linoleum floor talking to the man like as this wonderful and then she has no f- character or flaws and then yeah she leaves for most of the movie and then is a f- flies back into town felt very saccharine again for a story about a man of this caliber she it, well and she literally like plays no role in the narrative like she right. doesn't help him to get from i mean she helps him in therapy but you could have right left that out of the movie which I, she washes his hair in the kitchen that's true oh my gosh so we're seeing we see one uh, sequence of his aide helping him in the, in the bathtub and, and helping him wash. And so that kind of sets up like, oh, if if we see another bathtub scene, but then it cuts to, to you describe it. <laughs> they put uh, plastic uh, like shower curtain stretched like material. Plastic drop cloth. Yeah. All across the kitchen floor. Oh, right. And he's. St- 
sitting in the middle of the kitchen floor, like on a wooden chair and with the clothes like a on. Shower in and the middle. And she's like the- pouring buckets of water over him. Where's that water a, drain? How is he? Sta- <laughs> he's strapped into his wheelchair. I don't know how he's staying on this wooden chair. Why would you ever do it that way in the middle of the kitchen? Just with a big drop cloth. Because it's in range of the hose from the sink. <laughs> it was, that was crazy. What did you think of, now I don't really know, Mark, when you were describing this movie at the beginning and you described Carrie Brownstein's role in this, you, or you didn't describe her role, you were talking about him using his wheelchair a lot, So, and it would break? And they wouldn't, what? Was that in this movie? It was. Yeah. It was the scene when he was in the rain. He and... was in the rain. He was broke down. Right. He calls her. Right. Oh, this is the third time this week you've called. Uh, but was was she saying, that, so he was trying to get her to come pick him up somewhere. She works at somewhere. Where does she, she work at? So She's I think social worker. Social worker that manages um, disability, uh, disability yeah. claim okay. and services. And so and he so... was trying to get her to do what? Fix his wheelchair. He was stuck. He was stuck. Come pick me up. I forgive me. Do anything. Like, um, yeah. Uh, and he just it just ran out of batteries, and I, she wouldn't broke help down. Him. See, I thought she worked at like the rehab center, and she was he nope. was drunk again, and like that violated his third strike rule or whatever. But she just really wouldn't <laughs> help a quadriplegic in the pouring rain. It's plug in his wheelchair just showing because the, he used it a lot it's trying to illustrate the difficulties of the system todd poor carrie bro she doesn't make the rules what did I do to piss you off so much? Why are you going to treat me like you know, She I does think least. I a lot more mileage on that wheelchair than the average quadriplegic. <laughs> so we're punishing you for being mobile in this electric wheelchair we've provided you. I, I had that same thought. She yeah. does at least get an apology later during his making amends segment. Um, what did you guys think about Jack Black? Jack Black plays the role of the uh, driver in the accident that he had when they were apparently 21. They were a lot younger than I thought. Um, but, and then. Uh, they show a drunken night of them both together, and then at the end, uh, Joaquin Phoenix comes to make amends with Jack yeah. Black, which yeah. I thought was kind of the best scene in the movie, which just took place in the kitchen yeah. of some diner. With Billy Joel in the background. With Billy Joel in the background. <laughs> yes, I did notice that. Speaking of the music, uh, did you see who scored this movie? Yes, Danny Elfman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> which I thought was interesting because when I, uh, I rewatched it again, and I didn't notice any... Music that Danny Elfman. Yeah, it did not sound. I was neither oingoed nor boringoed by it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was an interesting. It sounded like a missed opportunity, or they wasted their money on Danny Elfman. Like they could have just gotten some Joe Schmo composer. Yeah, so that was no Edward Scissorhands kind of uh, environment. Uh, No Beetlejuice. No Beetlejuice. And yeah, uh, (sighs) yeah, Jack Black. I I think uh, he he was kind of a minor character. Uh, Yeah, for sure. He had one significant scene and and it was a perfect Jack Black scene. It was let's go party all night and drink until we explode. Yeah. And uh Jack Black Black led that and then we learned later uh you know and so they had the accident uh John Callahan is paralyzed 
uh, Jack Black's character walked away uh, with a couple scratches, and uh, we never hear about him again until much later in his sobriety process. You go and make amends with people who have you know that you need to make amends with, and uh, he goes and finds him back to Long Beach, and and uh, we assume <laughs> down the street from n- where apparently the rest of this no movie idea takes where place. This is, is. And uh, and I do. I, I liked that that closure, and you know, Jack Black has been obviously beating himself up for decades yeah. at that point, probably. Uh, if they were 21 and now he's, you know, whatever. Yeah, because they had just met that night. It's not like they were friends before right. or anything and they were just both hammered. And I did like that moment that where, where um, uh, Callahan said, you know, don't beat yourself up. Basically, you know, I forgive you or whatever. And my life's been great. And Jack Black goes, my life has sucked or whatever right. he says right there. And it was just a nice little moment and it wasn't overdone or overplayed or right. it was just, that was a, that was a good moment. So... Did I catch I, this? May be just me misunderstanding that, but there was a scene when he gets the job with the Lamb at Week, and they're like, uh, "Hey, there's this other paper that'd be interested," and 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 they say well, Lamb at Week, and then I think someone says, or, or uh, Joaquin Phoenix says, "Is that the paper that Gary Larson writes for?" I heard that. I did hear a Gary Larson reference. I and had I... to go look it up because I was like, "Did Gary Larson get his start at the Willamette Week?" <laughs> And I could find zero indication that the yeah. Willamette Week ever published a far side. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was just, I don't know, supposed to be a, a joke or a, that's the only cartoonist he knew or... Well, funny enough, I recently watched a video on Gary Larson. Oh, really? And I believe he got his start in uh, San Francisco paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the in one of his, the far side collections. He goes, he, he tells his story about how he started and, and taking his cartoons from mm-hmm. newspaper to newspaper and finally getting sold and I forget which far side collection that's in anything else. So where does this movie, despite what the village voice said about, Oh no, not uh, village voice variety. One of Van Zant's best, which I'm assuming this is not where is this? Where do we land with this? Do we do you like this movie? Um, I I personally enjoyed this movie. It uh, lost a lot at the box office. Uh, the budget was about eight million dollars, and it made about three and a half. Uh, and so it's it's mostly been unreceived. I, I don't think it's been <laughs> quietly quiet, received. Quiet, quietly underreceived and failed uh, Oscar bait. Yeah, <coughs> totally. Yeah, th- this was definitely attempting to do something more poignant than what actually emerged, I would right. say. So I'll, uh, I'll tell you why I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed this because it filled a hole in my knowledge about things that everyone in Portland should know about. Yeah. Like, everyone who lives in Portland should know who John Callahan was because <laughs> I feel like he's probably important enough for, for this city. So in that respect, it got me uh, interested to learn a little bit more about John Callahan. Um, but, you know, for people who don't live in Portland, um, I can't say that would hold. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, I'm excited agree. to watch the, the, the couple documentaries and other and – other, There's a t- it seems like a ton of stuff on YouTube about John Callahan, which I'm super excited for. But, yeah, this movie was just was so – disjointed and the flashbacks and forwards and it was it was I kept wanting wanting to get in worm my way into the movie and it just felt like at every turn I was being turned away yeah it 
I think my take on the movie is that for the story it was trying to tell, it did it in a way that did not mesh with the source material. It was too schmaltzy to tell the John Callahan story. Yeah, I think so. The subject matter didn't match the tone maybe of this movie, which I say, yeah, again, like American Splendor, I think is a good example of kind of the, the crotchety, you know, underdog cartoonist type thing. (coughs) Heather Matarazzo was also in this movie. Don Wiener from um, Welcome to the Dollhouse. Anyone? You said three things that I've (laughs) never heard before. Heather Matarazzo. Yeah. Did you ever see Welcome to the Dollhouse? No. Oh, man, that's a great movie. Came out in the late 90s. Anyway, Mm. well, to all you other Heather Matarazzo fans, she's in this movie for... 20 seconds did you know there were two cartoons children's cartoons based on the work of john callahan really yeah uh one was on nickelodeon and one was like on cbs did they air or were they just pilots they, no they aired really uh, full seasons uh one one i think was two seasons how was that not in this movie i i know there was one this show was called pelswick uh and uh let's see so the series is about a teenage boy who uses a wheelchair emphasizing that he lived a normal life um, what year was this? This was in uh, 2000. Oh, I believe. wow. 2000 to 2002, Pelswick aired. Um, and then there was, there was another show, and this one sounds more interesting. Uh, it's called John Callahan's Quads. <laughs> nice. What? I wonder what that's about. Um, it was one of the first shows animated completely using Macromedia Flash software. Oh, nice. wow. That's <laughs> hilarious. It was an Australian production. Also, the same year, two thousand one to two thousand two. Interesting. I could see them in the in the. Well, I guess they didn't take off, but I could see there being an appeal to that. Now we were just both watching Pelswick season one, episode one on YouTube. Oh, that is crazy. Yeah, it looks it looks very late nineties, early two thousands cartoon. Still, kind of has his style yeah, for very, the characters. It's like if John Callahan crashed into Phineas and Ferb. I mean, that is uh-huh. that's exactly what that character <laughs> is. So, oh, that's fascinating. Hmm. So yeah, walking away, I'm glad that I will be learning more about John Callahan through this through this movie. And and if you're in P- Portland, go visit the John Callahan Memorial Park in uh, Northwest off Lovejoy. Yeah, is it a big park? Uh, it's like an I don't think so. Alleyway, I think, but it's lined with fifty of his oh, uh, illustrations. Cool. I think nice. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Oh, there it is. It's a oh. garden. Oh, that's really neat. Park. With, with no wheelchair access. <laughs> sure, you can't get close enough to... It's all gravel right next to where the pictures are. <laughs> like a brick sidewalk 50 feet away. That's awesome. Uh, so would you recommend this movie? It is uh, on Amazon Prime. Would you recommend this movie for people to watch? Uh, if you this is, this is what I would say. If you live in Portland and you have never heard of John Callahan, yes, absolutely go watch this. Okay. Yep. You totally if you don't totally fit into agree. that category... I don't know. Then why are you listening to this podcast? If it sounds weird, if it sounds interesting, sure. Check it out. Okay. I would say, uh, watch some documentaries on him because then you'll probably learn more about him than, than from this movie. And I, I struggled with this movie last night. I was very, (laughs) very upset with having to rewatch this. Let's see if I can. He discovered he had AIDS. (laughs) That was the last time I saw him before he died. Wow. Yeah. The yeah, tr- yeah, yeah. The truth, truth hurts. hurts. Yeah. <laughs> the truth hurts. A moment ago, I ordered peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, it remind this we part. Discovered he had AIDS. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, the Walker Texas Ranger with 
uh, Haley Joel Osment that they used to play in Conan O'Brien all, all all the time. <laughs> Do you remember? It's a <laughs> it's a Clifford Walker Texas Ranger and Haley uh, Haley Joel Osment is like a kid or whatever. This is before the Sixth Sense, and it's just him. Now I have to find it. Looking up, saying Walker told me that I have AIDS. <laughs> Conan O'Brien would play this all the time. Here we go. And how you doing, little partner? Fine. And it's Little Visitor now. <laughs> Adewayoli's how you say it in Cherokee. Oh, well, pardon my French, but uh, I'll be damned. <laughs> Walker told me I have AIDS. <laughs> oh. That's what that reminded me of. Ah, uh, the truth hurts. <laughs> well, that just does it for, for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us at portlandatthemovies.com where you can see all of our past episodes. Uh, so check that out. Brian, where can people find out more about the Unipiper? Uh, check out the Unipiper at unipiper.com. Uh, look me up on Facebook. I got some new videos and some new costumes and some new songs on the bagpipes that I'm sharing with the world. Nice, nice. Mark, what can we do to find out more about you? Uh, well, you and I uh, host the Mark and Toddcast, and you can find us at markandtoddcast.com. If... Um, uh, don't we have a if you're dead pant- <laughs> if you never on a, a plethora uh, no uh, on the uh, Portland of the movies if you want to sponsor oh uh, Patreon <laughs> Patreon uh, Pantheon whatever <laughs> Pantheon yes that is true we are on Patreon so uh, and thank you to the people who are patrons of Indeed. us we really really appreciate it um, you can hear us on Fun Employment Radio if you have not heard about uh, Fun Employment Radio host Greg Nibbler being carjacked at a Burgerville in the middle of the day in Portland on one of me- many uh, Portland media outlets. Uh, then go check out their uh, show from last Thursday, I believe, uh, and hear that whole crazy story of him being literally carjacked by a crazy meth head. Maybe we can convince Gus Van Zandt to make a movie <gasps> about car- Greg Nibbler's carjacking. The Greg Nibbler story. Oh my gosh. What would we call it? That's the other thing. I have trouble finding this movie because I kept calling it like, you can't get there from here. Or <laughs> he's he's too far off in the distance. Or whatever it was. Nibbler. <laughs> the, I Nibbler. Knew I barely knew her. This, the <laughs> Gus Van Zandt film. Uh, so check them out. They are great. You can also find, uh, if you want to support the show, uh, not through Patreon, you can go to facebook.com slash a real piece of work and look for the notebooks and lamps I make from old VHS tapes and their boxes. Um, if you are a movie fan, you can do that. Other than that, um, I don't really have much to play us out with. So I will just one more time. Uh, John oh. Callahan could sing us out. Oh, yeah. So John Callahan also released uh, he, an album of music. And he kind of seems like he could have been a Shel Silverstein type thing, his yeah. drawing style, and, and a little dark perhaps for that. But um, uh, I could see that working. working. Like a dirty Shel Silverstein. <laughs> dirty Shel Silverstein. All right. Well, we'll see who holds the copyrights to John Callahan singing Touch Me Someplace I Can Feel uh, when YouTube flags us eventually. <laughs> So thank you for listening. We will see you again next month. Make a fist. Charlie Manson sings the Beatles. I should have known it would end like this. Stick it deep in, light my candle. Help yourself to my last meal. I've had all that 
touch me someplace. I can feel 